Hey guys, welcome to our online message. This series is called Courageous Hearts, which talks about pursuing the call of God and how the gospel has such an impact on our communities. Hope you guys enjoy. Yes, Father. We're here, we're ready, we're waiting for you to speak to us. We thank you that you're present. We thank you that you're love. So we welcome you, Father flow here this morning. We need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, wow. They took the lid off this already. I almost spilled it on myself. I spoke, I got the privilege to speak in men's group the other week and I, I glued the lid on the on the bottle of water as a joke and got them to try and open it. They didn't know. So thanks for not doing that. <laughs> you know, I said, oh, I can't, I can't quite get this. And I was saying, can you? And then Robbie opened it with his teeth and it was glued on there. <laughs> so that was amazing. When was the last time you felt like you wanted to fight someone? Hopefully it was a long time ago. When was the last? <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't this morning. <laughs> when was the last time you felt like you wanted a fight? Like, you, you know, you, you, you got into a fight. I don't know if you can remember that. When did you, when did you last fight someone? When was the last time that maybe you got egged on? Maybe it was in school and they were, you know, people were saying, fight, 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 fight. Maybe, I don't know if you can picture it in your head. Surely all of you have been in a fight of some description. Maybe you haven't. But most of us, probably the last time you were in a fight, I was thinking about it. And I think for me, it was probably year 11. Uh, I was on the school bus, so I was, what, how old are you in year 11? You're like 17, 16, something like that. I was on the school bus, I went to school in Mount Barker, so every day we had to get in the bus at Murray Bridge. We would go down to uh, Mount Barker. And uh, I was trying to read a book, and the, the young person behind me, he's about my age, uh, he was kicking the chair. And he wasn't just like, he wasn't just kind of with his feet crossed, just do, 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 do. No, he was like, he was like really, you know, like, uh, 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 you know, like, uh, like really kicking it, right? You know, you know that kid on the bus. You know, I'm trying to like read my book. So I turned around and was like, dude, like knock it off trying to read, you know, and he's like, <laughs> you know. So I turned around to him and I said, if you kick me one more time, I'm going to punch you in the face. So I turned around, started reading my book again. I don't know if I really need to go into detail of what happened next. 
Alan always tells me off for not finishing my stories. Alan. I punched him in the face. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, that happened. It wasn't my greatest moment. So can you remember the last time you punched someone in the face? No, the last time you felt like you wanted a fight, you were, you were rolled up and you were fighting about something. And maybe it was uh, your sister when you were kind of four or five years old or someone in the sandpit at school. I, I don't know what it was, but I don't know if you can picture it. And that's the situation that Barak and Deborah found themselves. I want to share from Judges 4. This is a really interesting uh, chapter in the Bible, Judges chapter 4. And, and we see this phenomenal woman of God, Deborah, who was actually leading Israel at the time. And she summons Barak, who's a warrior. And she says to him, Judges 4, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth was judging Israel at the time. Now the judges, it came after Joshua. We've just been doing. We've just been looking at be strong and courageous, which was to Joshua and go in and possess the land. And uh, it kind of didn't work out. They didn't kind of do what God had asked them to do. He said, "You follow the word, follow my commandments, and everything will work out." But they didn't. And now we're in Judges straight after, and it's kind of a mess. So Deborah, prophetess, wife of Lapidoth, is judging Israel. Now the judges were military leaders, and she was the judge at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord of God commanded you? Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you do not go with me, I will not go. She said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Now, some translations say uh, where it says, uh, nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. Some translations say, because of the way that you've responded to this call, you're not going to get the glory, but it's going to go to a woman. And God will sell Sisera, which was the leader of 
the opposing army, he will sell him into the hand of a woman. So the story continues. A barrack uh, goes from that place with Deborah. The plan goes perfect. They do exactly what God tells them to do. And the chariots that Sisera had get stuck in the mud and they really just completely defeat them. But the leader Sisera escapes. He runs off towards a neighboring village and comes across uh, the tent of Jael. Here we follow up the story. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, wife of Heber the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord. Turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent. She covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. He said to her, Stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes by and asks you, Is there anyone here? Say no. Seems like a reasonable plan. But Jael, the wife of Heba, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and then went softly to him. You can just imagine her. Doom, 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 doom. You know if it was a movie? She sneaks in the tent and drove the tent peg into his temple until it went into the ground. It's very descriptive. Sorry, children. While he was lying fast asleep from weariness, so he died. So he died. So this is the story of Barak. He's met with Deborah. He's been summoned. She's been, she said to him, has not God told you? Some commentators suggest that the way that that's phrased, Barak already knew this call on him. That he already maybe had felt it in his heart. That God had been putting on his heart that he was to lead this army against Sisera. Maybe he'd been told by another prophet. Maybe there'd been another conversation. But it seems that he knew. And now she's saying, this is the time. right? Have you not been told? This is what you're to do. But he falters. He wavers. He says, oh, I'll, I'll go if you go. But if you don't go, I'm not going. Life uh, but they go, they have victory. But Sisera's life is claimed by this brave woman, Jael. So what is going on with Barak? Why? He knows the plan. God's put on his heart. It's presented to him, but he doesn't accept it doesn't really accept what God has for him. He, he wavers. He, he holds back. So I want to investigate this a little bit and what we can learn about walking in our purpose through this story. What can God share with us? How can we walk in our purpose? How can we not fall into that same trap? So what I've noticed in talking to people over my life 
is that people tend to not step forward into what God has for them for kind of two reasons. I'm simplifying it, but kind of two reasons. One reason is they don't honestly really know what God's asking them to do. You know, they just they're not really clear. They're just not really sure. Like a lot of people, God, what do you want me to do? And they just don't really know. But then the other thing that I think stops people from walking in God's plan is fear. Basically, it's it's unsurety. It's not thinking that maybe they can do it. Fear that if they walk in that plan, maybe they'll miss out somewhere else in their lives that that they want. But usually it's some kind of fear. Often it's just, I don't think I could do it. I just don't think I could do that, God. And I think with Barak it's this. Because the plan is laid out for him. Like that's clear. He knows. He can't he can't be you can't say, well, he didn't he didn't know what to do. Like God's really clearly said, This is what I want you to do, God. Uh, what I want you to do, Barak. But he hesitates. And when we look at his history, he'd been oppressed for 20 years. This guy, Sisera was a bit of a monster. The Bible says uh, that he had 900 iron chariots. Now, I don't really know what that means, but it's kind of impressive, I guess. And that he'd been intimidating them for 20 years. So I don't exactly know how old Barak is, but if he's a, a middle-aged man, a lot of his life, oppression, abuse, Fear, intimidation. Every time they hear chariots, every time they hear horses rock up, it's like run for cover, hide, get ready. What what's going to happen now? It's possible that he, a lot of his people that he'd known, maybe had been abused or slaughtered or hurt. Women that he'd known might have been stolen by Sisera, maybe even family. So it's highly likely that he'd been deeply traumatized that he had memories since he was a child that caused him to believe that he was a victim, that he couldn't, that he was weak. Can you imagine it? And we don't really know if this is the case, but it's likely, right? It's, it's probably, if that's what he grew up in and you see his reaction, it, probably had some significant fears and they were probably there for good reason. But whether they're there for good reason or not, the reality is it stopped him. It really stopped him from walking and doing what God had for him. So I think the first thing I, I, I want to suggest, I want to put out there, is if we're going to walk in what God has for us, I think the first thing we need to deal with is fear. It's our past. It's a shame. It's guilt. It's intimidation. It's those things that happen to us that maybe we don't like to face. 
and talking to people, um, I think most of us have stuff. Most of us have memories that we get through the day by just trying not to think about it. But sometimes they control us. So I just want to encourage everyone today. I just want to encourage. I just... If you've got memories, if you've got things from the past, I just want to encourage you today by saying, you know what the reality is? If you survived the actual event... If you got through it, you don't need through that memory. If you got through that, if God somehow brought you through and you're sitting here today, I just want to encourage you to not fear the memory of it. That You can face your fear and you can acknowledge, yeah, that happened, but it's not who I am to look it in the face and not let it control you, to not let it shrink, cause you to shrink back from what God might be calling you to. And I'm not saying it's easy, it's hard. But I love what David, the shepherd boy, I love how he approaches it. And it's one of my favourite verses in the Bible. And he says, when he's about to face Goliath, he says, the Lord God who delivered me from the hand to the mouth, the, the teeth of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from you. Right? The Lord God that got me through all that, he's going to get me through tomorrow. Yeah, He's going to get you through tomorrow. And maybe you've got some puncture wounds and, and a bit of a scratch here and there, but I just encourage you to see it as a victory rather than something that controls you, rather than a victory for the devil. It's a victory for God. He got you through. Yes. He got you through it. And he's still got a plan for tomorrow. Amen. Amen. So I think the first thing that... We, we want to do so we, we, we really walk into our call and don't shrink back from it is to face our fear. The second thing is to address and assess our motivation. Our motivation. What is our motivation? What's, what's our motivation? If, if you think back to that last time that uh, you wanted to fight someone. You know, there's a kid kicking the chair in the back of the school bus or the, something that happened that just rolled you up and made you want to stand and fight. Why did you want to fight? What was the reasoning? What was it that was stirring you to want to stand up? If we, everyone's kind of different, right? 
So, like, we have different personality types, we have different histories, we have different pasts, we come from different countries, some of us. Uh, but if we want to simplify things, like if I really simplify things and, and, and kind of say, well, let's look at what generally motivates people, we could probably say there's kind of two things. We can see this clearly in, uh, polit- in politics, right? It's kind of like the left and there's the right. There's left and there's right. And, and people on the left mindset of things, it's kind of like equality, right? It's like the left is motivated by this idea of things should be fair, things should be just, and out of that we get the idea of socialism. You guys know this stuff, right? So the socialist mindset. Everyone should have the equal rights, equal, fair go, it's not a it's not a bad thing necessarily, right? On the right hand side, we kind of see more capitalism, and capitalism's more motivated by the idea of freedom. Get right? It's like freedom, right? I don't know what this, what the, I can't mouth trumpet uh, any socialist uh, country themes. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So, like, we've got these two extremes. And um, we've got this idea of freedom. We've got this idea of, like, everyone should f- be free. Uh, we don't really want to be overtaxed. We, we want to be able to have a free market. We, 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 everyone should be free to be able to make their own choices and make as much money as they want or not, and that's their choice. Or the idea of equality. Everyone should have the same. Everyone should have this idea of justice, fairness, right? But the problem with uh, being motivated by those things, and if you look back into that time that you felt like fighting, it's highly likely that you were motivated by either justice. That's not fair. It's just not fair. They are getting that, I'm getting that, or, or there was some kind of perceived injustice. Or maybe it was... I'm getting controlled, I'm getting pushed down and I, that's, I need to be able to be free. I need to be able to express, no one's going to tell me what to do. Right? That's quite often. Maybe it was one of those two things. Of course, the problem with making those our motivations is that if equality is allowed to expand to and, and bear fruit, it's kind of tough because... It leads to kind of irresponsibility. If no one's accountable for the way that they live their life and everyone has to get the same, 
it leads to people not really being responsible and blame becomes a very strong strategy that I have got this problem because of everyone else and it doesn't really lead to great outcomes in the long run, right? And the same over here with the right. It's like, well, ultimate goal is freedom. It's a very, very selfish mindset. It's not really helpful for the collective. It's very individualistic. Is that what, what am I saying? Yeah, what they said. And so we... we but... I guess the thing I'm trying to say is if you felt injustice, it's highly likely that justice is a strong motivation. If you've identified with injustice, it might just rise, rise out of you. If you've identified with oppression, being oppressed, it's likely that that that, that desire for freedom, that wanting to fight against oppression rises out of you. But Jesus asks us to be motivated by love. He asks us to be motivated by love. He demands it. And it's really different. It's really different than having our motivation equality and having our motivation freedom. Love. Love is what Jesus asks us to be motivated by. And what a beautiful example uh, Jesus is to us. Can you picture it? I don't know if you can even see it now. Jesus Christ walking up the hill to Skull Hill. Whipped. He's just spent the last day being beaten and whipped and tortured and spat on. He's cut, he's bleeding. You can see his ribs through his flesh and he's, and he's stumbling up that hill. He gets there, they slam him down on a cross. They nail his hands to it, his legs, his feet to it and they raise him up there and they abuse him. And, he's, and although that one act, as he hung there, it achieved equality. It gave us the ability, if we trust in him, to become all the children of God, no matter where we're from, no matter who our parents are. And it gave us ultimate freedom over sin and death. But he wasn't motivated by those things. He was motivated by love. He was motivated by love. And since then, Christians all over the world have been identifying with that, identifying with Christ, identifying with love, and have been changing the world. And I just, um, I just ask 
you, us now, to assess your motivation. And if you think that you're motivated a little bit more by justice than you think you should, or maybe a little bit more by freedom than you think you should, what's going on is... You've, you've identified with equality or you've identified with oppression. What we need to do to, to walk through love is to identify with it. And there's a chance that if you find that you don't really find it easy to be motivated by love, it's, it's probably because you haven't really received it. You don't really know what it feels like to be truly and deeply loved. So I just want to pray uh, for everyone quickly now. If you recognize that in yourself, would you pray would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, I can see in my life through my actions that I don't really think I understand love as much as I'd like to. Would you show me your love? Father, open up my heart that I might be able to understand your love. Amen. Amen. Um, as we draw towards the end of this message, I just want to I just want to dwell. I just want to dwell now a little bit on um, on how special and amazing the purpose of God is. Purpose. Barak had an opportunity to walk in his purpose. Deborah said that God had called him to lead and he still went and and he partnered with Deborah and it, it kind of worked out fine God had his way and God had a victory and the amazing young lady JL she managed to walk in her purpose in that moment Barak missed out. And the Bible says that he missed out on this thing called glory. But I think in this moment, he missed out on a lot more than just people around him thinking he's cool. I don't really think that that's what God meant by that. I think, it's, I think he did mean that, but I think it's deeper. I think... Hearing from God and partnering with Him, like really understanding what the Creator of the heavens and the earth put Him there for, taking Him by the hand and accepting that, 
I don't think there's anything else quite like that. The purpose of God. It's a very deep thing. And so him not doing that, it meant that he really missed out something so glorious, so wonderful that it can't be described. That sense that he did what he was born to do. Do you know what I mean? Jesus' purpose wasn't to fight. His was to surrender, and he achieved that beautifully. He, he heard the call of God. He, he, he chose to follow his Lord's footsteps, and he bled and he died. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? And I just love the story of Jael. She's she's minding her own business. She's doing her thing when all of a sudden here comes Sisera. She feels the call of God on her heart. She knows what she's got to do. She faces her fear. She risks it all. And she steps out in faith. What a brave woman. And she had that experience of knowing that she partnered with God. Do you know that experience? Would you be willing to face your fear, to address your motivation, to fight for something not that riles you up because of oppression or, or equality, but motivated by love for the lost people in this world, allowing God to, to put something in your heart and stepping out. And for every one of you, it will be slightly different. But I just want to present that this morning like a waiter coming to the table with a beautiful meal and just placing it there and say would you would you be willing to accept God's purpose for your life that kid on the bus that was kicking my chair wasn't really evil. He was just annoying. And he probably just wanted attention. He wanted someone to give him eye contact and actually just, and I stuffed that up. And I punched him in the face because I was too concerned about Justice and how I should be able to read my book in peace. When I had an opportunity to actually listen to the Holy Spirit 
sometimes the times, often He calls us in times that are the most not exactly how you thought your day was going to go but to be motivated out of love partner with the Holy Spirit yeah who's with me yeah do you want to stand up let's pray some here are fighters some of you are fighters you love a good fight. But really you need the Holy Spirit to, to, to sanctify your motivation. Fear doesn't bother you. Would you let God sanctify your motivation this morning? Maybe it's a little more about justice or freedom than you'd like to admit. And you're out there thinking you're doing the will of God, but is it really? Let the Holy Spirit sanctify your motivation. Some are fearful. Stepping out terrifies you. Would you let the Lord fill you with courage? Let's pray. Father, I just pray for us as a church. There's people that need us in the town. There's people that need to do what you're calling. You need us to step up and partner with you and do what you're calling us to do. Each one is different. The Father, sanctify us. We give you our fears. We give you our motivation. Do a work in us. In Jesus' name. I just allow the Holy Spirit as we worship to do a work in you, to bring up to you what it is you need to face. And I just encourage you to trust Him with that, to speak to Him, to give things over to Him in His time of worship. Thank you, church. Thank you, team. Thanks so much for listening. If this message resonated with you guys at all, head to our website and tell us all about it. If not, come to church. We'd love to see you. Have a chat and have a coffee. See you there.